You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. He's in the building! Drink the moment. Drink it. I said, empty your mind. Coquettish and coy. Ow. Ow. What? There's people that are dying. The wickedly talented. More than great. It was historic. Crack is world. Oh, good for you. I have to apologize. One of the hottest. Welcome back to The Reheat, a podcast that re-examines the hottest celebrity news and scandals of yesteryear and asks, how would we react to the same events if they'd transpired today? I'm your co-host, Sarah Sahagian. And I'm Sadaf Hassan, your other co-host, and today's episode is all about the legend, the mass, Tyra Banks. The model, the actress, the novelist, the entrepreneur, the professor, you name it, she's done it. And most of it, not so well. Sarah, when you think Tyra Banks, what comes to mind? Well, obviously watching Top Model when I was in university. That was a weekly ritual. I mean, Top Model was iconic, and I can't wait to hear more about Tyra from you today. I loved Top Model, so I'm on board with you on that, but there's so much more to know about her, so let's start from the very beginning. Born and raised in California, her father was a computer consultant, and her mother was a medical photographer. The second part is key because on the side, Tyra's mom would take headshots for aspiring models and actors. One day, her mom snapped her, and that's what got the ball rolling. At the time, her features were especially bold and sharp, a true model's face, but she's often said that when she was younger, she was bullied for her looks and was called a quote, ugly duckling. When she had a sudden growth spurt as a teenager, kids started calling her giraffe and light bulb head too. That second one was kind of creative, but it's really mean. Yeah, this, by the way, was after she spent years being the school bully herself and admitted that she was a popular mean girl. It ended up making her a more sympathetic person. However, as she once said, quote, it turned out that the best things to happen to me in my life were to be made fun of and to have no friends and to feel miserable every single day. Now that's an interesting transition and I think a pattern that repeats in Tyra's life, but we'll come back to it in a bit. Although Tyra had her headshots ready to go and was incredibly beautiful, I mean, really, go back and look at some of those early photos, she had a rough start when she was trying to get signed to a modeling agency in the early 90s when she was just 15. She was rejected by multiple agencies who claimed they already had enough Black models. Some would tell her she was, quote, too ethnic, while others would say that they already had a Black woman and didn't want another. At the time, you could name a long list of successful white models, but the list for Black women was much shorter. It was still impressive, though, and included women like Pat Cleveland, Naomi Sims, Beverly Johnson, Iman. Still, it was a rarity. Here's a clip of Tara talking about her experience on The View in 2018. So I went to agencies for the first time when I was 15 because I wanted to be a model, and I would get on the bus, go there by myself. I'd show up with my little portfolio. They'd look at it, and they'd go, we already have a Black girl. Oh. And guess how many models they would have? 200 models. And I look on the board, I'm like, oh, there's that one black girl. So I guess mm. two is going to just create an uprising. We just going to take over. <laughs> yeah, so it was this constant pain of being told no, no, no. Even when I was yeah. a supermodel, I heard you can't be on this cover. You can't have this campaign. You can't do this fashion show in the winter because you look better in a swimsuit than a parka. That's All kind of right. crazy stuff. That used to happen to yeah. me all the time. Did it? <laughs> 
Sarah, what do we think of Tyra's hard-earned come up and how it might have made her who she is? I mean, that story is just horrific. And we hear stories like that in lots of different industries, right? In our Padma Lakshmi episode, we talked about how at times she struggled to get an agent. So it's not surprising, but it is so upsetting. It must have been incredibly challenging for her. And it's also must be really frustrating because when you are, you know, given the genetic gifts she was to be so beautiful by society's standards and then because of racism, they don't see it. It's yeah. like, uh, our society is is broken. It was then. It still is. There still is that kind of racism now. And so it, it's important to remember that she broke down barriers and she was a key figure. And I think we, you know, I'm going to keep that in mind when we talk about other things Tyra did because there are other things she did that weren't great. Yeah. Well, I completely agree with you. I mean, this is that thing that I think about a lot. I know a lot of people of color think about a lot where you've got to work twice as hard for half as much. So she had to hustle hard just to get where she was getting. But again, um, alluding to what you're talking about and what we're going to get into later, I do think it might have also lent this idea to her that maybe abuse is good because it will shape you into somebody who will work really hard and have tougher skin and make you even more resilient. And while I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think it's hugely problematic. And there's that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to be bullied or abused in any way. Mm-hmm. There's no rewards to be found there. Um, but again, we'll come back to a lot of how that shaped her. So eventually, Tara was signed to elite model management at just age 16. And two years later, in 1991, she'd book a whopping 25 shows at Paris Fashion Week. She appeared in American, Italian, French, and Spanish Vogue, American, French, German, Spanish L, German and Malaysian Harper's Bazaar, V, W, Van. Vanity Fair, she was walking in runways all over Europe for Chanel, Oscar de la Renta, YSL, Christian Dior, Marc Jacobs, you name it, she was there. Along with ad campaigns for D&G, Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren, Got Milk, Pepsi, Nike, CoverGirl, she was everywhere. She also became the first Black woman on the cover of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue and the first Black woman on the cover of GQ. In 1997, she became the first Black woman chosen for the cover of the Victoria's Secret catalog and a Victoria's Secret Angel. That's big, big, big. Needless to say, by the late 90s, she was one of a handful of Black women to achieve supermodel status, and she did it by breaking a ton of boundaries and opening doors for younger models of color. By this time, Tyra began to gain weight. And by weight, I mean more than your average 90s waifish model. She'd always made it a point that she liked to eat and wouldn't skimp on meals. But because that wasn't considered the industry standard, Tyra decided to return to the U.S. and switch to swimwear and lingerie modeling, where curvier models are given more of a platform, apparently. <laughs> she said of the experience to The Guardian in 2007, quote, I made my living being 20 or 30 pounds heavier than the average model. And that's where I got famous. Victoria's Secret said I sold more bras and panties than anybody else. And I was traipsing down that runway with 30 pounds more booty than the other girls. So it had a lot to do with my success, my weight, but it's also always been an issue for me. Now, she's careful to say in that interview that she's speaking relative to the modeling world, not the real world, but her weight would become a running subject throughout the years as she did become a face for curvy women. Sarah, I gotta hit you with a tough one. Is Tyra a fair representative of curviness? No, I mean, I do. <laughs> no, I appreciate that it must have been hard to be curvy relative to other models in your industry. Like, yeah. yes, I'm sure she experienced fat shaming because she was larger than the average model, but she was still far thinner than the average woman. So, like, no, I, I don't think she should be the poster child for body 
positivity or, you know, a spokesperson to talk about how toxic fact shaming is because she's not experiencing the brunt of it. She still made her money off of her looks and her appearance, right? Which yeah. is still society saying, like, your body is is what we like, right? So I'm sure she experienced more challenges and more fat shaming than, like, a Kate Moss. But is she experiencing the average woman's fat shaming or a larger person's fat shaming who like has actually experienced real discrimination. Like there's real active discrimination that people with larger bodies face that Tyra has has never in her life faced. But I, to be fair to Tyra, I don't think she's trying to be a spokesperson for that type of discrimination. I don't think that that's what she's trying to say there. I just think that in our society, we often have a tendency in the media to take stories like this from people who like are very slightly outside of like, you know, the Kate Moss figure and make them the poster children for body positivity when like that's ridiculous. But that's not something that is Tyra's fault. That's the media's fault. Yeah, I agree with you partly because I think you're right that the media and a lot of us just put her in that slot because there was not really a lot of people in that slot or nobody who we wanted to give that spotlight to because that's another thing at this point in Mm -hmm. time. Nobody was that interested in pulling up those models of a certain body size and shape into the spotlight like they might have Tyra who probably felt like a safer option. I mean, Mm -hmm. she was like a Kate Upton for the time, you know? She's not quite mid-size even. And that's also even just a term that we've started using regularly now. Yeah. Plus size was not really a size that was understood at that time. And we're only making steps towards that now. But I think what I will say for Tyra, I have a feeling just knowing how her career has gone since then is that she probably loved getting that brand and she probably loved being the person mm-hmm. who could represent it and maybe did use it as a little bit of a shtick and branding tool. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think, though I agree, because I don't think she spoke adequately about it ever. And I think that's also because she never really had the experience of being one of those women. But I think it's a little bit of both. I think you're right. The media is partially responsible, but Tyra's Mm -hmm. also a little responsible. Anyway, at this point, Tyra officially began branching out. So most memorably for a lot of us, I think, when it comes to acting, she showed up on the fourth season of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which I loved, playing an old friend of Will Smith's. And she was good and she was funny. She also appeared on Felicity, All That, and Mad TV. She did the movies Higher Learning, Life Size. I know you and I love that one, Sarah. Life Size is a great movie. Oh, yeah. Coyote Ugly, Love and Basketball, Halloween Resurrection. (laughs) Just a lot of mildly very (laughs) trashy 90s things. But eventually it became clear that acting was not her path. What was? Reality. Of course. In the early 00s, she launched her own production company, Bankable Productions, and in 2003, it launched the reality TV series, America's Next Top Model. And soon, we would all be forever changed Mind you, this was a time when reality TV was really in its heyday. So we had The Real World and Survivor. They'd already debuted too much fanfare. Created and judged by Tyra Banks and TM also featured Janice Dickinson, noted fashion photographer Nigel Barker, Jay Alexander, and Jay Manuel. It was a competition series for models who were placed in a house together and each week would complete challenges until one came out on top. At times, it was also completely unhinged. The show ran for 24 
four seasons. And when Tyra was actively involved, it was among the highest rated series on UPN and was the highest rated show on The CW from 2007 to 2010. Over 30 versions of the series have been produced internationally. It was, if you were watching around that time, a turning point in pop culture and inspired the creation of RuPaul's Drag Race and Project Runway, both of which we still have now. Over the years, Tyra herself became a household name and very well memed. Here's a particularly favorite clip of mine from the fourth season in which she takes down a contestant for not being more grateful for the opportunity to appear on the show after eliminating her. I don't have a bad attitude. Maybe I am angry inside. I've been through stuff, so I'm angry. Yes, but it's not, this is not, be quiet, Tiffany. Be quiet! That's what is wrong with you. Stop it! I have never in my life yelled at a girl like this. When my mother yells at this, it's because she loves me. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you learn something from this? When you go to bed at night, you lay there and you take responsibility for yourself because nobody's going to take responsibility for you. You roll in your eyes and you act like this because you've heard it all before. You've heard it all before. You don't know where the hell I come from. You have no idea what I've been through. But I'm not a victim. I grow from it and I learn. Take responsibility for yourself. So Sarah... I gotta say, is that the wildest thing that you've ever heard? I mean, not the wildest thing I've ever heard because life has gotten pretty weird in the intervening years, but it was one of, it it was a shocking thing to see on television. It was really upsetting. And the most upsetting part is how Tyra kind of spins it as like, I'm doing this because I care about you. I'm screaming at you this way because I care about you. Um, And that is something like abusive loved ones will say. I think what we were talking about earlier, how she said like the best thing that ever happened to her was when she was bullied. She seems to have internalized this and has now decided, I think, in, in her method of mentoring people that like this is the best for others. Um, and so she is, I guess, spreading that toxicity because she thinks that it's it's constructive. Like I disagree. I think for most people, it can be very scarring to be publicly humiliated on television like that and yelled at. But I I do believe she honestly thinks what she's doing is for the best, but I don't believe that that makes it okay. Yeah, I think so too. I think she's in a little bit of a tunnel where she, and I'm saying present tense because I think she's still there, that she never quite understood that what she was doing would have lasting impacts. So let's get into that a little bit more before we dig a little deeper. So as much as we all loved Top Model at the time, and although Tyra gifted us the word smize, it was all problematic. (laughs) Women were criticized for their weight, their unique features, including gap teeth. She was accused of degrading and sexualizing contestants, making them cry. Some critics said the show was straight up bad for women. There were challenges where women had their skin darkened to appear as different ethnicities in photos. That really happened. Um, And after being Uh called out for that in a 2009 interview with NBC, Tyra said, quote, I'm sorry to anybody that watched Top Model and was offended by the pictures because they didn't understand the real story behind them. Or even if you did see the whole episode, you were still offended. I truly apologize because that is not my intention. My intention is to spread beauty and break down barriers. Not a great statement. And later, there were two incidents where female models reported being touched inappropriately by male models involved with them in shoots. And Tyra's advice was to literally respond that it was their job to work with them and they should have been more assertive if they weren't comfortable. Here's a clip of Tyra telling model Kim Stoltz to contain her sexuality in an early season in the same way she contains her ethnicity. Out, like I'm gay and I am... 
I'm really proud of it. I think this certain thing of, of being proud, like I'm black and proud, you know what I mean? But I'm not like walking on the red carpet. I'm black. Yeah, I'm black. proud. Yikes. This is coming from a woman who built a brand on promoting inclusivity. In a 2008 article for MTV, Kim called out the show for having an unspoken must-be-born-a-woman clause that would eventually include a trans contestant, just as a side note. Kim also wrote, as much as we should applaud the subversive topics that ANTM has covered in its reign thus far, physical and sexual abuse, homelessness, female circumcision, gayness, we must also accept that there were moments when those issues were clearly exploited for entertainment value. Maybe we can't blame Tyra for this. After all, it's business, right? Now, in the last month, a lot more has come to the surface. NDAs are expiring, and we have previous contestants revealing they were paid only $40 a day and were not provided food, with one describing it as, quote, like being at a traumatic sleepaway camp. Wow. Lisa D'Amato, the one who infamously peed in a diaper on camera, I don't know if anyone remembers that, I can't forget it. She now says she did that because she was trying to piss on the show, quote unquote. <laughs> Angelia Preston, who won in 2011 but was later stripped of the title, also revealed in an explosive story for Bustle that she had been disqualified at the last minute for having previously worked as an escort, despite, she claims, the team having already known about this before she was cast. She filed a lawsuit against the show but dropped it in 2018 and now works as an accomplished journalist. Krista White, a fellow contestant, said to Bustle on the matter... Quote, and for Tyra to be like, I'm for women, I'm for girls, and want to have your back. When it came time for her to show up and really help someone, what happened? Business Insider released a story shortly after, too, suggesting series producers would create uncomfortable, toxic environments and poke at contestants' traumas in hopes of creating better drama for the show. And still, Tyra has yet to make any actual comment on any of this. Sarah, why didn't we see any of this problematic shit when it was actually happening? Why didn't we talk about it then? I mean, I guess it, I mean, they had NDAs, so they couldn't come forward yeah. with this. I suppose journalists weren't really trying to investigate and expose what was happening. Maybe they didn't know. Uh, but it is so upsetting to know that something that I loved, that was a ritual for me, that I derived so much pleasure from, created so much pain and suffering from other people. When I read the bustle profile of Angelia Preston, that was a real reckoning for me. And it, I mean, I don't think I would now watch reruns of Top Model. I, when you hear what happened to Angelia, she basically got into sex work. Um, it, it sounds kind of like it was she was coerced, and that is not the case for everyone. Many people find sex work very empowering, but in her case, she had no money. The show does not set its former contestants up for success because in her case, she had been on a season and then she went on All-Stars and it was the All-Stars title that she was stripped of. So kind of between her season and All-Stars, that was when she ended up um, working as an escort and it didn't seem like it was entirely consensual. And the most upsetting part was that her friends from Top Model tried to contact producers of the show. So the powers that be knew about this and they wouldn't help her. I mean, you think yeah. that someone you care about is trying to make it in the fashion world in New York and then gets caught up in something that isn't consensual and is they are, you know, are being exploited. You'd think you'd help them and it would be so easy to help her. These are people with means and they just didn't lift a finger. It's so upsetting. 
It really, really is. And I think a part of it, too, is that for a long time, especially at that time, because this was one of the first big reality shows, I think people just didn't see reality stars as people. Mm -hmm. It's ironic because this is reality television. And sure, maybe some of it is not always unscripted, but I think at that time, these people were just jokes. I mean, I just mentioned a contestant peeing in a diaper that she was wearing Mm -hmm. during an episode. And it's hard to take that seriously. I get it. But these were very much real people. And I think for a lot of us who were watching, like you said, as a ritual all the time, we were dedicated, we were attached. But I don't know that we were even at that place yet where we could put a name to what we were watching and what was Mm -hmm. happening. And people also didn't report on this television the way they do now. I think we can thank shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians for that, that now reality stars are stars in a bunch of different ways where they really are in our households. And that's Mm -hmm. a lot led to a lot of bad, but it's also good in the sense that we finally see that these are also three-dimensional characters and people and what's happening to them is also real. I think that's why now that that show is resurfacing, it's getting this whole new lens on it. We have the language for it now. But I also want to say, because I do blame Tyra for a lot of this, not just her, I think it was their whole production team, but I do think as you were saying, I think it falls back into her branding. And part of that was that maybe being abused and being bullied is a good thing. It can shape you into something. And Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that Business Insider even reported that the production teams would actively try to poke at traumas to try and get them to what? Have a better fucking photo shoot? I mean, who cares? It's just ridiculous. And I think she probably knew a lot of what was going on. And while she was telling us that her whole thing is standing up for other women. She wasn't really doing that. Well, I mean, it's it comes down to like, what do you consider standing up for other women? There's, I mean, what works in terms of empowering people and there's re-traumatizing people. So I'm not trying to make excuses for, you know, what was an environment full of microaggressions. Yeah. But I do believe she genuinely thought she was empowering people. This is not I an excuse. I just believe that she, in her mind, thought because this had worked for her that it works for others. And maybe that's evidence of her own trauma. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a therapist. I, I've never met Tyra. But, I mean, some people process trauma in ways that make them more abusive. Yeah. So maybe that's what happened. I, I don't know. It's just... Her people hurt people, right, Sarah? <laughs> it's that whole thing, and yeah. I hate that line, but it's also, it does apply. I think you're so right. And yeah, I mean, listen, she's a little delusional. She was and she still is. And I think, I, and I don't mean to offend anyway, but I do think that's part of it where you're right. I think she really did believe she was helping. <laughs> Which is crazy. And if you let someone like that continue to create television the way she was and putting these young women's lives in her hands, I mean, what good is going to come from that? Not a lot. Now, before we take a look at just how Tyra came back from all this, if at all, why don't we take a quick break? We'll be right back. messy behavior, of course, did not stop there. In 2005, through Bankable Productions, Tyra launched The Tyra Banks Show, her own daytime talk show, yet again making her one of few Black women on television at that hour, hosting her own show, yet again giving the impression she was setting a new paradigm for television. One of the series' more memorable moments was when, after being mocked and photographed at the pool looking heavier than usual, she appeared in the same bathing suit and told everyone to, quote, kiss my fat 
For that season, she would somehow win an Emmy and again the following <laughs> year. But wait, on that same show, Tyra decided to wear a fat suit and then walk through public wearing a body cam to experience what life is like for a fat person. She also filmed a segment where she impersonated a homeless person to see what it was like to panhandle. <laughs> While we're walking, we passed a trash bin full of food. And at that moment, I knew that if I was truly homeless, I would have eaten that food out of that bin. I feel like I'm making these up as I say them, but I'm not. She also once put a black man in white face to accomplish what I couldn't tell you. All right. Well, Lawrence, he said he wanted to be white. So we used the miracle of makeup to grant his wish for one day so we can see if it was everything that he thought it would be. It was just a straight-up very weird show. There was an episode where she graphically explained what sex is like to a young boy, one where she pretended to have rabies. (laughs) Another where she taught the audience... (laughs) Another... (laughs) It's hard to keep a straight face. Another where she taught the audience how to burp, and one where she gave away bedazzled jars of Vaseline to everyone in the audience. And these Vaseline's are worth a hundred dollars! (laughs) A far cry from Oprah, Tyra is admittedly a little strange. She's campy, she's wild, she's unexplainable. When her talk show wrapped in 2010, she told people she was leaving so she could spend more time, quote, bringing positive images of women to the big screen. (laughs) (laughs) The jokes write themselves. Um, Sarah, Sarah, do you feel like Tyra's talk show improved things in terms of inclusivity or set us back at all? Did it do anything good? It's complicated, right? Because there are so few racialized talk show hosts. I mean, I I think that it's always a victory when, uh, you know, a racialized woman like Tyra beats the odds and gets her own show. Like, like, that's great. But then also her show was very odd at times. I remember I learned how to use YouTube so I could watch the clip of her giving out the, like, bejeweled Vaseline containers because like yeah so she helped me learn to be better with technology so thank you Tyra But, but there was just so much weirdness and oftentimes the messages were really confusing like wearing a fat suit is is not okay and it also contradicts the magazine cover where she says kiss my fat ass because then putting on the fat suit basically says I acknowledge that I'm I'm not fat and I shouldn't be getting publicity for being fat, right? Like she shouldn't have been because there are so many other people who actually do live in larger bodies who would be better spokespeople for that. But still, she had such a powerful platform and there was just so much weirdness, right? Like just (laughs) some of the stuff she did, like pretending to have rabies. You're kind of like... There's no explanation for that. Yeah, what is this doing? Her show just was an oddity and I'm not really sure what she thought she was doing with this platform or what she actually did. Like, what is the legacy of this show? I'm I'm not sure. She did a lot of stuff about bullying. That's good. She raised awareness about bullying. Um, so we'll give her that. What is the thing a broken clock is right once a day or twice a day? <laughs> yeah. Why was she continuously given this platform and, you know, won Emmys? She mm-hmm. was pretty critically acclaimed. And it reminds me of Top Model, where so much shit was happening. We did know about some of it, but nobody was kind of giving it the due that it deserved and kind of holding it up to her and being like, um, can you explain this and answer to this? Listen, I mean, I, I 
enjoyed that show. I wasn't a religious viewer, but even now when I pull up clips, I find it hilarious and I'm so entertained. And I think what's interesting is can we enjoy something like this or do we always have to feel some kind of additional responsibility for what we're consuming? That's been a big question, I think, for the last couple of years, right, with the Me Too movement. And I think... Mm. With Tyra's talk show, I do think you can enjoy it. I mean, listen, weird people exist and weird people deserve a platform, right? And she's fucking weird. That's just reality. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love a weirdo. But I think what's tough is going back to what you said earlier, which is that she has a very contradictory approach where, for instance, with the bathing suit incident, she claims to be somebody who is standing up for that and is a face of that. But then she's also doing the exact opposite by dressing up in a fat suit and putting on a body cam. So I think she tried to do everything, but you can't do everything. You got to pick a lane. And she never did that. So then there was Tyra's long supposed feud with fellow Black supermodel Naomi Campbell, a queen in her own right. I will not hear otherwise. Now, for a very long time, Tyra would regularly remind her fans that, quote, as much as I was getting fashion shows, people didn't know that I would come home at night crying a lot because the woman I admired didn't want me to be there and was doing everything in her power to make me go away. It was at the point where one couldn't do an interview without being asked about the other. Mind you, for a very long time, Naomi's reputation was that of an abusive, phone-throwing beast. But Naomi rarely had much to say about Tyra. She actually appeared on her talk show, and Tyra obviously and very awkwardly forced the topic. Naomi naturally came off cool and uncaring. Here's a clip. We did a fashion show. I don't remember what it was. It might have been Jenny or something like that in Milan. And we were doing that fashion show backstage, and you came up to me right when I was about to walk out, and you said something. And it's so funny because it was so surreal at the time when you said it. I didn't think that you could actually say something like that. What did I say? You said uh, something like, you'll never be me. Don't ever think that you'll be me and something like that. I said that? Yes. I can't think that's something. I'm not that. I'm very much in the, yeah, I'm very much, I know the person that I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm not someone to go and give myself away and say that to anybody. I've never said that in my life. So, but if that's what you remember, I accept that, but it's not, doesn't sound like me to people that would know me. What I like about that interview is that Tyra keeps insisting they were both hurt. They were both victims. This was a huge moment for her. And Naomi is just like, "Uh, no, I'm fine, actually. In addition to that, so many of the people who've worked with Tyra over the years have come out and said they had a difficult experience. Model Paulina Poroskova was fired from being a judge on ANTM on her birthday, side note, and later told The Late Late Show it was because production thought Paulina had a, quote, gigantic, huge ego. When asked if Tyra was jealous of her by Access Hollywood, Polina said, I don't think that in Tyra's universe that's even in consideration. I don't think she cares. I wouldn't know the kind of person Tyra is because all I know of her is literally when we are on set talking to each other in front of the cameras. This is the only time she would speak to me. Janice Dickinson, too, has said a ton of shit about Tyra, calling her soulless, heartless, and cold to Fox 411. When asked if she'd ever let the grudge go, Janice said, not for all the tea in China. ABC News did confront Tyra on this at the time. Here's a clip and just know that all that silence is filled by Tyra smirking while it opens with her publicist saying they don't want to discuss all the hate. Let's not go there. Well, I am going there. I am going to ask that question. Paulina Portakova says that you lack respect for the co-judges. Janice Dickinson said that you were righteous. I mean, why do you think both of them had such negative things to say about their experience? I don't know. Why do you think? Wasn't there. You... 
doesn't want to go there. What do you think? I don't know. Jealous? No. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm asking you. You said it. I didn't say that word. You said it. All these years later, the question has become, was Tyra the actual villain? I mean, she kind of sounds like it in that clip. Sarah, what do you think? Make a call. It's hard to say. Like, do I think that she messed up on a, at least on occasion? Yes. I mean, there are so many elements of that show that are problematic. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's blatantly homophobic. There's transphobia. There's abuse of contestants in the case of Tiffany, who was just screamed at. So she definitely made mistakes. I do also think it's important to note that women, particularly racialized women, are hounded way more for their mistakes. Like, she was a relatively young person to be a mogul, right? Um, And when you're a young person who's just figuring out how to be a boss, you can make mistakes. I'm not trying to make excuses for the more egregious things she did. Like, she didn't have to tell a contestant to basically be closeted so she could succeed as a model. Like, that's not something that she needed to do at all. And she didn't need to scream at Tiffany. But I do think that women, and definitely racialized women, are judged more harshly for their mistakes. That being said, I do believe she was probably pretty horrible to her fellow judges since we have evidence she was frequently horrible to contestants. Yeah, I, it's not hard to believe. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I also think when I think of that Naomi dynamic and the way she's kind of just begging her to put her in a victim position and to apologize to her and lean yeah. into this narrative that she's been pushing for years mm-hmm. and Naomi mm-hmm. just doesn't take the bait. I, I just, I think about that often because I think it really nails Tyra's entire brand and approach to media and it's always just trying to be the underdog but like sweetie it's been years you are not the underdog anymore it's not happening you can't be the boss and be the underdog exactly and you cannot get away by putting other people in that position or thinking that you're doing that I mean it's just it doesn't make sense and we know that because I don't think she understands it herself that's why she always sends out these confusing messages that don't make yeah, that don't make any sense. And I think she is the villain, frankly. I really do think she is. And I think the sad part is I wish I had known it back then and realized because I watched those shows for so long, specifically Top Model, and thought she was amazing. I loved her. It's really strange now to piece it all together. It just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Now, the narrative Tara pushed for so long and continues to push is that she's a boss. So let's go over some of her achievements in the years following her shows. She dabbled in music, wrote a novel called Model Land in 2010, which was a New York Times bestseller. She wrote another with her mother several years later. In 2014, she founded the cosmetics brand Tyra Beauty, which she actually completed a non-degree certificate program in Harvard Business School for. Good for her. Yeah, but it was also a huge point of contention. Jezebel's Jenna Sowers wrote a piece at the time calling Tyra's claims that she was a Harvard grad, quote, disingenuous, and demanded that she stop lying about Harvard entirely. And I do remember a lot of friends wondering at the time if this meant that we could all just go to Harvard and become entrepreneurs. But I feel like people gave Tyra a little bit of a hard time in this instance. I mean... Yeah, well, because Harvard sells these programs for a profit. And if they're going to sell this to you and you buy it and you finish the program, like, call yourself a Harvard student. Like, you did finish a program at Harvard. Like, I'm sorry, universities can't have it both ways. They can't commodify themselves and make all this money and get mad about this. So, I mean, I know Harvard wasn't specifically getting mad about this, but other people shouldn't get precious and, like, defend Harvard's honor. Seriously. Harvard is fine. (laughs) (laughs) They don't need you. (laughs) 
<laughs> also, you know, you rarely hear about a celebrity doing continuing education. And listen, I don't know if she had an assistant to do her exams <laughs> for her, but like, I'll take it. That's inspiring. And that's what Tyra wants to be, yeah. right? Um, now, as always, there's more when it comes to Tyra. With her cosmetics, she used a multi-level marketing system to recruit sales distributors, naturally. For a time, she had her own fashion website and an e-commerce site. She even teaches now, including as a branding lecturer at Stanford University. Today, she's the latest host of Dancing with the Stars, and in 2020, she signed a development deal with ABC. So she's very much still in the public eye and still with the intent to create, quote-unquote, meaningful content. (laughs) A year before that, she appeared again on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue, 22 years since her first one, and this time broke records for being the oldest to be featured at the vintage age of 45. Side (laughs) note, she changed her modeling name to Banks. That's with a capital X. I don't know if that's stuck, but felt worth noting. (laughs) She also established the Tyra Banks Scholarship, a fund aimed at providing African-American girls the opportunity to attend her former high school. She's also got T-Zone, her charity. She's known by plenty for being an influential mogul and a body positivity icon, but by so many others, most of whom live on the internet and can replay all these moments on end, she's known more so for perpetuating toxicity, for exploiting the people she's worked with and claimed to mentor, for having shows that schlepped homophobia, racism, gender issues, really just a whole mess of things. Which brings me to another question, Sarah. Do you think Tyra will ever change? Do we think that she even processes the criticism or if she even cares or if it's just all about being bankable? No, I don't think she's going to change. I think spiritually, Tyra is a boomer, right? Like she is (laughs) so stuck in this mindset that like, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Like that ethos. Yes. Even on Top Model, you kind of saw this like, you know, sort of lecturing younger models, but like in my day, it was even harder. So I don't care that you're being sexually assaulted on set or you're being discriminated against for being gay. Like you should suffer. That builds character. And that, that doesn't work because here's the thing. When you believe that people should have to suffer and the cream will rise, the odd person who for some reason isn't as traumatized by these things and other people will probably succeed and they'll tell you they're tougher for it. But so many people become so traumatized, they just leave the industry, which is what we now know because these NDAs are expiring, that contestants were broken by the show in a lot of cases. So that doesn't work for most personality types. Saying suffering will make you stronger works for the rare person, but not for everyone. So like, I just feel like Tyra spiritually is like a boomer dad who's just (laughs) yelling at his kid, like who's trying to play baseball with a twisted ankle. And he's like, keep going, Tommy. Like, this will be better for you. Keep going. Play through the pain, Tommy. Like, honestly, I just feel like that's kind of Tyra in this, like in this situation. But I do believe she genuinely believes that her message is true, right? Um, I think she honestly believes that if we all thought like her and if we could all be mentored by her to have this mindset that we'd be more successful. So I don't think she's trying to hurt others. I do believe she's trying to help. I just think she's misguided. I think you're right. And I think to extend that metaphor, I think she's also the one who takes everyone to pizza later and is like, that's my son. I did that. That was my (laughs) work. You know, and I think that's a core root of the issue with Tyra. I do think she's a narcissist and I think she's very self-centered. And I think there's a lot of people in Hollywood who are like that. I think there's a lot of people generally who are in a certain tax bracket who are like that, where they don't really see the little people anymore. (laughs) I do feel 
that you are correct that she has never meant to hurt anyone. But I think on the other side of it, I don't think that she cares that much that she has. Um, I, I could be totally wrong. I don't know this woman. <laughs> I would like to. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't know her. We're just armchair diagnosing yeah. her. But I mean, there's a lot of content to analyze. So like, we're making semi-informed yeah. opinions. I mean, not really, but sort of. I think we are because we've got two decades we of are. evidence in front of us that this woman doesn't really care what the public has to say. So I don't even yeah. think that she has an issue processing the criticism, I think she just doesn't doesn't give a shit. Like, you know, you hand her the headlines of the day and she just sets them aside. I don't think she cares to know because her checks are coming in. You know, she's got a development deal with ABC. She's hosting. She's doing mm-hmm. all this shit. Why should she look at it? Because she's made all this money up until this point. She's a very 90s product and she cannot break mm-hmm. out of it. And I don't think we're ever going to see yeah. her break out of it. Now, in all this time, you might be wondering, does Tyra Banks have a personal life? Yes. Well, she's been pretty messy in every other area of her life. She stayed pretty together here. Again, as far as we know, she's never been one for high-profile relationships but her most significant and longest lasting was with Norwegian photographer Eric Asla in the 2010s. In 2016, they had a son named York together via surrogacy. She was open about her struggles with infertility and one year later, she and Eric called it quits. In the past, she also opened up about abusive relationships and made that a cornerstone too of what she's been through. But ultimately, it seems this is one celebrity whose personal life we've been surprisingly less interested in rare. When it comes to Tyra, it's more about what she's represented or tried to represent over the years. Some on the internet continue to try and hold her accountable, but she prevails. I don't think she's going away anytime soon. She's a character of herself and is only ever expanding on that. Sarah, here is the ultimate question for you. Who is Tyra Banks? I mean, who can say, right? Like, I just feel like she's... (laughs) She's so many different contradictory things. Uh, She is a groundbreaking fashion model. She is Mm -hmm. also somebody who had a groundbreaking show because it was a competition show hosted uh, by a Black woman. And it was a a new idea. But then she is also someone who who perpetuate a lot of toxicity using that show. Uh, She is a bundle of contradictions and she is proof that, you know, People can contain multitudes. Uh, so yeah. I, it's hard to define her. I think I know her a lot better thanks to what you told me. Like, excellent research. Like, I've learned so much about her and I feel like I have more insight. But I feel like because I now have more insight, I realize just how contradictory she is and I know her less than I think I did before. Yeah, I think you're right. Bundle of contradictions and what I will add to that is an incredible businesswoman. She Mm. has always known exactly what she's doing when it comes to her bottom dollar. And I think a big part of that that is so fascinating, and I hope she teaches it in her Stanford lectures, (laughs) is that... Don't show the world that you have a personal life. Don't expose any of it because it's much easier to pretend that you are on the right side of everything else and you are a face and an activist and whatever the hell for everybody else. It's so much easier to slip into those roles. I mean, she's, I think, probably making a very calculated decision not to respond to everything that's happened lately and it will probably pay off for her in the end because it always has. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this brings us to our final segment. Hindsight is 2022, where we choose the one moment that we might have handled differently if we were the subject of this story. I shouldn't have done that. Sarah, what would that be for you? Uh, it's hard to pick one, um, now that I'm thinking through all <laughs> of the moments on Top Model. Uh, but I really just don't think 
it makes sense to tell a young woman who is gay and proud of her sexuality in an era before gay marriage is even a thing. So it's so important to have visibility and your show has such a platform. I don't think it makes sense to tell her just like, you know, kind of be low-key closeted. (laughs) Yeah. I guess in her head, she thought this was how to succeed in fashion. But the truth is, at this point, Tyra has a huge platform. So she could have changed the rules in fashion. She could have said, you know what? I think the homophobia is ridiculous. I think you should be proud. I'm going to tell everybody that I'm so proud of you for being out. And if, if she had won and gotten those contracts, then you do create visibility. So I'm I'm pretty floored by, by that. And it was such an opportunity to promote inclusivity for LGBTQ contestants and models in general. And it's, it, it's a missed opportunity. And I don't understand why she wanted to be on the wrong side of history there. And I, I think that this is something that has aged particularly badly, telling people to deny aspects of their identity is something that's really aged badly. So it hasn't been that much time. But I I think there would have been a lot of op-eds written about that moment if it had happened today. But I guess at the time, we just thought that that was sound advice from an expert. I I don't know. I'm upset with myself that I wasn't more offended by that advice that Tyra gave. I feel like I should have known better. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Again, she's a relic. She's a woman of a certain time. She doesn't fit in now. Um, But it's good that we're holding her accountable after all these years and we can sort of go back and edit the people that we loved and see it for what it was. Um, For me, I think the thing that I would like to change and that has stood out to me the most about this entire story is that let's just fucking get rid of the word girl boss and Mm. move on because the only thing it's ever represented is a lot of privilege and a lot of bullshit. And I think She's a good example of that. She used that for her entire tenure. And girl bosses were a huge thing in the 90s mm-hmm. and the 00s, but it doesn't stand anymore. It's just, it's not real. There's, It's not good advice. And I think that's what she tried to sell to all of the contestants on Top Model. It's what she pushed to the people who watched her talk show. Uh, and then once you actually try and pursue that, you realize how empty it is because that person who's telling you to do it is also not on your side yeah. for real in the way that they say they are. No girl bosses are to be trusted, okay? <laughs> it's just not good. It's a bad news. It's a red flag. And I wish I had seen all of Tyra's red flags sooner. And with that, we're at the end of this episode. Now, if you want to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Sadafasan. Sarah, where can our listeners find you? Listeners can find me at Sarah Sahagian. And if you liked this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe so other listeners can find us too. Thanks for listening. 